welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. Season 5, episode 1. We are doing Eclipse. We've made it to the last book of the season. To the last, to the last book of the series. The last book Just that kidding. Stephanie Meyer ever wrote. Nothing It was nothing tragic when, when she retired from writing after writing it's Eclipse. tragic when she died right after yeah. this was published. So today we will be kicking off the long-awaited season 5. People have been... Mm-hmm. I think really looking forward to this one. So mm-hmm. have I. As I was reading today, like things are coming back to me. I'm like, oh yeah, there's so many different points in this book that I'm like looking forward to exploring. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many things that I think I've blacked out that are going to be awful to explore. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm ready, for, I'm ready for it all. Myself, I'm coming in no memories. Okay. I remember that it ends with another proposal. I think. No. No? It they get engaged in this book. Oh, like in the middle? Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Okay. So you should know. I, you know, and I, sh- I should know. I should know. Uh, and like on some level, I do. Have you told the story? You know what? We should save this. Yeah. For the, you're right. Save. You're right. Yeah. We should save it. We should save this for the actual proposal yeah. chapter. There's. I mean, we've probably already shared this, but you know what? For new listeners, there's a story for you. We've got a story incoming in mid-season, several apparently. months from now. Yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned. A lot happens in this book. So today we just read the preface in chapter one to get us started, but yeah. this is the book where we learn about Jasper and Rosalie. Mm-hmm. This is the book where there's there's the tent scene between Jacob and Edward. <laughs> I'm really looking forward Bella's to. Bella's also there. No, she's asleep. <laughs> she's seepy. She's seeped. There's the, the battle. There's the battle. Whatever. But there's... <laughs> there's the actual literal plot. There's a plot. But there's also Bella try- literally trying to have sex with Edward. Oh and my God. getting rejected. That's so true. Yeah. That's right. She, like, really thinks it's going to happen. Just yeah. kind of a lifetime. What I don't know is how much time this book covers because the way that in this first section, mm. Bella's talking about being a handful of weeks away yeah. from graduation. It's spring, for sure. Yeah, so it is spring. Where did we leave off? We left off in, like, in spring. March, in spring break. And so oh, yeah. it's, like, picking up... Oh, yeah, and it was kind of, like, ambiguous at the end of New Moon. It was, like... We couldn't really tell. Yeah. Like, they were doing the whole college app thing at the end mm-hmm. of New Moon, so maybe, like, no time has passed? I don't think so. I think it just kind of picks up, which yeah. is interesting. Infamously, the time scale of the Twilight Saga is... Fucked. Is, yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. It's so upsetting to realize how little time this entire story spans. She's going to graduate soon, and then they're getting married in, in, in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> they're having ah! a baby in the fall. <laughs> Um, so. Yeah, the cover. Oh, yeah. So I looked it up. I was like, what could this possibly mean? The ribbon. The it's ribbon, like a broken the ribbon. The broken ribbon cover. Broken ribbon symbolizes choice. Is that in the in the book? No. Oh. <laughs> I wrote You're... it. I wrote it on the first oh. page because <laughs> I did some research. Symbolizes choice. And it also symbolizes being unable to break away completely from her human life. Mm. So Bella is, this is the she's book afraid. where she's grappling with how to completely retreat into vampirism. Mm. This ribbon is supposed to symbolize how there's still things that are like keeping her tethered to totally humanity which stephanie names namely as jacob Mm. and i'm like yeah he's definitely meant to like symbolize that for her which is interesting because he's not even fully a human like she wouldn't have a fully human life with jacob she could have like a more human life with jacob no but yeah but he's not aging either so it's and he would still have the responsibilities of like a werewolf yeah it's a false equivalent between like it's hypocritical of jacob to say like like i'm i'm flesh and blood more more human (laughs) than him yeah yeah so true imo (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, she's definitely already grappling with that a lot in in chapter one. So that's that's interesting. It's definitely like a turn too from from New Moon. I feel like in New Moon, she I felt at many points like she wasn't grappling with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. She was just like kind of desperate to get what she what she wanted and like didn't really care what the consequences were at mm-hmm. times. And she was maybe also indicative of her like poor mental state that she didn't care what the consequences were. But it, now that like the deadline is actually upon her of like she's she's truly coming up on immortality hypothetically after graduation. I think she really is starting to think about it or stephanie myers having her think about it in, in ways that feel more real which is really interesting i'm excited to explore that should we let's just pretend that new people are listening okay should we talk should we do our reintroduce ourselves sure and the podcast um i'm sam <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to be this time who are, who are you today you be sam or lori i'll be um, lori <laughs> Uh, I'm Sam. I'm one half of this podcast. We've been doing gender forecasting. I would say, honestly, that you're 75% of this podcast. (laughs) Like, not in time talking or whatever. I'm a co-host. You're a co-host. You're also fully editor. I am the editor. Social media team. Uh, Well, I sometimes (laughs) post on social media. (laughs) You're 100% of our social media Well, yeah, but, like, I don't do it. I don't even do that much. (laughs) So, Lori and I co-host this podcast. I edit it. This is the fifth year of us doing it. We've been doing it for almost four total years but it, this is the fifth year that it has spanned across which is stupid like what i know, what's I, know. Going on? I know it's so funny um what is gender forking i think gender forking has taken on yeah it's it's evolved yeah i, think. I mean it's always been kind of like feminist like book club of reading the twilight saga yeah initially for a very specific reason which is that we were reading a gender swapped text yeah that like explicitly called into question like gender dynamics of twilight and now we're just doing it yeah. with the regular books yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it used to be just about life and death and we've expanded to make room for everything else that's in this everything under the saga. sun yeah i think when we first started I mean, we were like just out of college and then we went to grad school for like a little while and which you know if you've been listening for a long time you've heard about but and now we're both um just adults who work which is fun <laughs> yeah but i think that like we've taken on well personally i feel like the way that i approach the podcast now like has become like really informed by the work that i'm doing same we're both working in violence prevention yeah yeah and advocacy yeah so like thinking a lot about sexual and domestic violence and sex education and relationships and mm-hmm. doing that on a professional level and rather than just kind of like reading the th- reading like a lot of theory mm-hmm. which i think like i think theory and kind of like just social politics was informing a lot of like earlier seasons and now i feel like we were just like deep in the trenches of grounded like, in reality <laughs> yeah we're just like really in like grad school for fucking finally yeah there's a lot more room for like exploring the actual relationship dynamics yeah i think happy teen dating violence awareness and prevention month everyone yeah <laughs> That this will probably come out in February. Maybe it will, but I don't know. Maybe um, it's yeah. a long weekend. I can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so true. There wasn't a lot of other Twilight podcasts when we started. Like there was maybe no, a there, handful. There were a lot from like the way back whens. Yeah, but there were not very many active new podcasts. Yeah, and about now there Twilight. are. And now there's lots, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's nuts to see. Like I don't know. We started this in what we thought was the height of the renaissance and now the, there's yeah now so there's much... one sponsored by the obama family yeah that's crazy like produced by them why won't the obamas sponsor us it's <laughs> the real question i can think of a few reasons what <laughs> <laughs> no i don't want to be sponsored by the obamas Mm-mm. no <laughs> i don't want any sponsorships i mean that's not true if you have money <laughs> 
We'll take it. But yeah. no strings attached, please. Oh. We're crowdfunded. We're crowdfunded by a small pool of very, very wonderful patrons, which you too can be a part of at patreon.com slash genderforking. Join mm-hmm. our really fun group of people. Don't like don't even do it to support us, which you would be by doing it, but mm-hmm. do it to join our really wonderful community of, of people who like to critically engage with Twilight and, and talk about it and sometimes uh like to leave three hundred plus messages about how Bella and Edward are like peg each other or yeah. whatever. Yeah. In, yeah. in the discord which is what yeah. happened to us the other day <laughs> and then we log on and they go oh no mom's here yeah <laughs> and it's like i raised you to be this way yeah <laughs> <laughs> why would you ever think we would want this to stop um yeah every time i look at a discord notification on my phone i laugh um because it's always funny yeah yeah all the time it's truly a joy it's been a really unexpected part of of having the podcast is finding other people who are just as niche as mm-hmm. us in in engaging with this Absolutely. story Mm-hmm. that's the history of what we're doing so we're just we're still reading along in like in like a book clubby way mm-hmm. as longtime fans and also as longtime critics mm-hmm. which is just for me the most fun way to engage with twilight yeah agree and we are both as we said professionals 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 with degrees is why we're here yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I paid money to be here. Yeah, so that's gender forking. Welcome. Mm-hmm. And if you've never read Twilight or New Moon, maybe you should do that before <laughs> jumping in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're actually, you know, it's something that has been requested. I think I got the idea from JJ, who's oh, my partner, yeah. is to provide a summary mm-hmm. of the chapters that we read because... We do have some people that listen, I think namely people that we personally know who are not exposed to Twilight, and I think, like, sometimes it might be difficult to, like... Suss out what's happening. Yeah, because, like, we kind of take for granted that everyone who's listening, like... Is intimately familiar with the plot. Yeah, like, we are intimately familiar with the plot. I know, like, what's going on? Yeah, so maybe we'll start to integrate some summary of chapters into this. Yeah. I have a family member who's listening who has not... Ever! Has not read. Like, does not know what happens at the end of Breaking done <laughs> and is going to find out by listening i love that to for this her. podcast what a what a freeing does she really want to know because it's like <laughs> she could be protected from knowing what yeah, happens at breaking stop, dawn and that's and that's a superior existence yeah you can she never go back I want. yeah i want what she has <laughs> Some people read along at home, which yeah, I think so is so cool. admirable. And some people, you know, just don't have to because they already know. But uh, wherever you're coming from, we got you. We're gonna try to try to remember to do a chapter summary. Yeah. So yeah. I can I can give a summary actually. Okay. That I'm gonna make up off the top of my head right now. I love it. We read chapter one, which is somewhat of like a reintroduction of the characters. We get like some descriptions of like who Edward is kind of like what Bella's situation is, which is very much to say that she is in the place that she was at the end of New Moon, which is like the end of her senior year of college. She's grounded. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) High school. (laughs) High school. Imagine. She's at the end of her senior year of high school. She's applying to colleges, is what I meant Mm -hmm. to say. And she's grounded because at the end of New Moon, she ran off to Italy for three days. And also Jacob ratted her out to Charlie for having been riding motorcycles. So she's under pretty strict lockdown. Despite aren't we all? Aren't, aren't we all? She knows what it's like. <laughs> Bella knows. Bella knows. Because uh, she's constantly grounded for doing irresponsible things. But she's also 18, so the dynamics are interesting, as we will explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this chapter, all that happens is Edward comes over, mm-hmm. and they are talking about her relationship with Jacob, who she has not seen or been able to really get in touch with. Yeah. Since the last time we saw everyone. I think that's an excellent summary. Thanks. Should we do our impromptu 
pre-segment drink swap. I think it would be fun to capture your reaction. Oh, yes. Do you want to react to my water? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, Do you want to react to my Italian Rush Rocket Pop? How is this different from the Italian Rush? Cherry. This So JJ usually gets a green apple. Smells. Something something. Like green apple. And this one is actually cherry, blue raspberry, and lemon. Oh, okay. Bottoms up. (laughs) It smells like a Jolly Rancher. Mm -hmm. This water is excellent. It's actually... Not um, a Bud Light glass. I know. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually, like, not as um, assaulting as the one that JJ usually gets. I agree. And part of that is because the Italian rush is the only thing that I can literally... Like, physically, I am (laughs) unable to put the other kind in my body. Yep. Um, I have to get an Italian rush. This is something that a coffee chain in Maine does called Aroma Joe's. They have their own energy drink base that they make, and then they put, like, you know, flavored syrups in it, and Mm. then... So that's, you know, the normal rush. An Italian rush is half sparkling water in, in place of the energy drink base. Mm-hmm. I can feel my heartbeat. Right now? Right now. Oh my god. Because I don't really have more usually water. drink <laughs> caffeine. I don't usually drink caffeine. I'll usually get one of these and are then I'll pawn it off on someone else. No, I'm just sensitive. <laughs> what are you, Mormon? No. <laughs> but I was really tired today, <laughs> so I needed one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's get into it. This was published in... August 2007. Yes. Which is three years before the movie. And I also wanted Mm -hmm. to say before we dive in that it is... This draft was complete before the Twilight movie came out. It was published before the Twilight movie came out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it was, like, before even Twilight started, like, filming, before it was even Mm. a thing... This, this was, was already, out. already like the the draft existed. Okay. So she had written this before, like envisioning the visual aspect of Twilight. Gotcha. Should we discuss yeah. the dedication? I would love to. Yeah. All Please right. Come to our attention. Yeah. To my <laughs> husband, Pancho, for your patience, love, friendship, humor, and willingness to eat out, and also to my children, Gabe, Seth, and Eli. Pause. For- Wait. <laughs> willingness to eat out. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> the one thing that got her through writing this book also my children for letting me experience the kind of love that people freely die for okay so Lori and i have already kind of discussed this because we were disturbed we were riled up yeah um poncho i yeah i don't really know anything about stephanie meyer's husband and essentially we're trying to figure out is he white yeah is the game we're playing and there's not not that we did like extensive research on it but the answer that we have is, we're not really sure. The man's name is Christian Meyer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mean anything. Nope. There's no real correlation between race, ethnicity, and name at this point in our country's history. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Well, there is some, but like... Yeah, no, 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 no. For yeah. Anglicanized names, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything that his yeah. name is Christian Meyer. Yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah, well, he's definitely also, like, part of LDS, like, he's definitely a Mormon. They live in Arizona now, but she had known him in childhood and then re-met him... Uh, when she was, like, 20. Yeah, like, towards the end of college. And I'm trying... I can't figure out... There's, like, no information about this man online, no, no, no. so I don't know what how old he is. What we know is that he used to be an accountant, and then he is now a stay-at-home dad to their sons. Yeah. By now, I mean, like, years ago. I think, actually, her sons yeah. are probably adults her, now. Yeah, they're a little younger than us. Like, yeah. the, the oldest one is a year younger than us. Okay. Yeah. That's, like, kind of all we know about him. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I Verdict just... is out on whether that's a racist nickname for a white person mm. or if he's not white. Yeah. Slash. If he's Latino. Yeah. Um, Which you could be both. 
Yeah, so true. There's probably no way of knowing. I'm There's just literally no way of knowing. Deeply curious. Yeah. Does anybody know the Meyer family? And <laughs> and if you do, why haven't you told us? Yeah. Just curious about what her home life is like, even though it's none of my business. And I also want to say, for listeners who are older than us, yeah. slash our age, pause is something, <laughs> because I had to be explained. I had to be this, explained, of course. Yeah. Um, I love to call up my one little Gen Z thing every once in a while. like Gen Z slang for like... That's what she said. But, like, after you say something like willingness to eat out, pause. Yeah. Pause and think about what you said um, is basically how I understand it. So that's what that is if you hear us saying that. Mm-hmm. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. So I, <laughs> I've been saying it quite a bit. And I've always said that. And I've always said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's our other joke. There are 27 chapters, a uh, preface and an epilogue to this in this book. Only read one chapter for today, so we're looking at probably a 15 or 16 episode run here. Mm-hmm. So buckle in. There is a it's poem. A long book. There the is a poem. beginning of this book. Yes. By Robert Frost. Which is read at the beginning of the movie as well. Would you like to read it? Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Mm-hmm. Robert Frost walked so Stephanie Meyer could stumble. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I thought it was, but if I had to perish twice, but I guess it's but if, yeah. but if it had to perish twice, what's it? No, the world. Oh, yeah. Some say the world will end. It's not like if I had to perish, it's if it's mm-hmm. if the whole world had to perish. That's interesting. It's um, inspired by one of the contos of Dante's Inferno. Yeah. And it also it has also inspired a lot of other literature, like, mm. f- namely Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm. And here it's a very obvious stand-in for Jacob and Edward. Right. It doesn't really, like, hold, like, no. literally, if you, like, think about no. it that way, thinking about, like, her saying, if, if you think about Bella feeling this way. No. Like, and, like, favoring the fire, that wouldn't make sense, but... I, it, feel, it feels cruel to to give this at the beginning of this book mm. to like team Jacob. And they're like, <gasps> and then it's like, Oh, it's a strong team Jacob opening to this book. For I would sure. say, um, get to that after the preface. Mm-hmm. The preface is mm, on the shorter side for a Stephanie Meyer preface. It's not even half a page, I would say. And it's in the same style as, um, like her other prefaces where yeah. it's kind of like a look forward at something that's going to like be a scene later Mm -hmm. we know as people who are familiar with the story that it is alluding to edward's fight his face off with victoria towards the end of the book and it's bella thinking once again that she's gonna die so poor girl yeah she's always thinking that she's like waiting for the fight to be over and the preface ends somewhere far far away in the cold forest a wolf howled so very strong team jacob moment there Mm -hmm. and then we have chapter one ultimatum what a fun way to start yeah the book with an ultimatum it starts right off the bat and i got scared because i forgot i was like oh no is this in jacob's point of view (laughs) and then i was like no 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 no, that's breaking down i'm safe for another book i cannot believe this though but it's this note that jacob's writing to bella and there's several things that are crossed out why didn't he get a new piece of paper yeah why didn't he give her the piece of paper with all the stuff that he crossed out and completely readable so funny it says things like i don't know why you're making charlie carry notes to billy like we're in second grade you made the choice here what card of mortal enemies is too complicated for you to understand (laughs) we can't be friends when you're spending all your time with a bunch of i know i'm being a jerk but there's no way around it makes it worse when i think about you too much so don't write anymore 
And then what he actually settles on is Bella. Yeah, I miss you too. A lot. Doesn't change anything. Sorry, Jacob. It's like, I know that Stephanie just like crossed these out and left them in so that we could read them as the reader. But the idea that he would write all of these things, cross them out and still give her the entire piece of paper with all of these things still legible on Mm -hmm. them is so petty and really it just makes me think of that one post that's like maybe billy black did raise a bitch yeah (laughs) yeah he's so petty and and like bella is hurt by it yeah says like what was surprising was how much each crossed out line wounded me as if the points of the letters had cutting edges Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. god is this for nesme watch (laughs) with jacob's hurt being her own once again she's always on that she's always like when jacob's in pain i'm in pain how boring is that how you would feel about somebody who's gonna marry your child Like, let's be real. No. (laughs) Her reverie is interrupted because something is burning in the kitchen, which is alarming because I guess Charlie never cooks. And I'm like, I didn't realize that he was literally so useless. That he couldn't make pasta? In the kitchen. Like, did he never, ever cook for himself before Bella got there? Yeah, it raises the question, like, was he eating microwave meals or, like, what? Yeah. Because he's struggling to make pasta. I've seen some truly hopeless people in the kitchen still succeed at making pasta. Yeah. One, like, the pasta is clumping in the pot but two charlie has put a whole ass jar with a metal lid in the microwave and turned the microwave on like he put metal in the microwave and presumably didn't even he's a cop open the jar this man is taking care of forks the pressure of that yeah would explode i think robert pattinson microwaving tinfoil pasta vibes yeah 100 percent. yeah you're right if robert pattinson had read these books he would have known that metal was bad for microwaves i Uh, I think that Rob Pattinson would, would play Charlie excellently. Oh my god, you're so right. You're right. He would do it, he would do a bang-up job. Yeah. He would be so... Oh my god. Do you remember when you learned that metal sets on fire in microwaves? Uh, I don't think I ever had to learn that the hard way. Mm. I think I was just educated about it. Did you have an experience that you I would did. like to share with the class? <laughs> I was like, mm, damn. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> we are not the same. When I was really young, I did put a Chick-fil-A sandwich in the microwave. Oh, in the in the foiled wrapping? In a, yeah, so it's in like a papery bag, but then it has metal on the inside. And I did know that, but I was like, it's basically paper. And I did catch an entire Chick-fil-A sandwich on fire in the microwave, but we didn't use a smoke... We didn't... We just... Just put in the sink or something? I don't know what we did. I don't really know how that got resolved. Definitely formative. For sure. Yeah. You'll never make that same I mistake again. I will never make that mistake again. Yeah. Me and Charlie, we're all the same. Yeah. Bella's kind of like, why is Charlie cooking? He never cooks. Like, something's up. He wants He wants to talk to me about something. Mm-hmm. But she's just kind of letting him do it and, like, wait till he brings it up, whatever it is. She says, what's with his surly attitude? Edward wasn't here yet. Usually my dad reserved this kind of behavior for my boyfriend's benefit, doing his best to illustrate the theme of unwelcome with every word and posture. <laughs> and it's his right. <laughs> yeah, it's his right. It's really funny. I, I bristled at the word boyfriend, which is funny because Bella goes on to mm-hmm. say in the next paragraph, the word boyfriend had me chewing on the inside of my cheek with a familiar tension while I stirred. It wasn't the right word, not at all. I needed something more expressive of eternal commitment, but words like destiny and fate sounded hokey when you use them in casual conversation. And then she says, Edward had another word in mind, and that word was the source of the tension I felt. It put my teeth on edge just to think of it. Fiance. <laughs> I forgot that he proposed yeah, already. I yeah, like blacked yeah. out. Bella learned the word partner challenge. <laughs> it would be so fucking stupid for her to call him. Can you imagine partner, Bella though? and Edward calling each other partner? Yeah. Not, not for any like particular reason, just because it's like. Funny. Oh yeah, like it's... I don't care when any like I am of the mind that anyone can use the word partner. I think everyone should 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but not Bella and Edward. No, Bella that's and Edward. Bell- that's not a partnership. It's not. It's not a partnership at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't believe that she's she's shuddering away from the idea of fiancé. Yeah, she doesn't like boyfriend <laughs> either, though. Relatable. She says there's been no more sightings of the giant mysterious wolves in the ever rainy woods. So she says that Charlie hasn't been wearing his gun belt to yeah. work. Because of that. Yeah. Which kind of implies that he only carries a gun for wild animals, which reinforces yeah. the park ranger so true um narrative that we have constructed i of course like it was strange that the wolves were even getting caught in the woods by humans like do better but like why is that no longer happening right it seems just kind of like a plot hole to me well it feels like i mean that they just get better at it i guess like because the because like edward is back they're not really patrolling um, for Victoria in the same way. Maybe not in the same part of town. Maybe they're the just same... on the reservation. Right. Which is like not somewhere maybe people would run into them. As often. Yeah. That would make sense. So Bella also reveals that she's grounded and she's not allowed to spend time with Edward outside of the hours of 7 to 9.30 p.m. And school. which And school. And he's coming over at night. But Charlie so doesn't know that. really the time that she can't spend with Edward is like, I don't know, when, when do people get out of high school? Like, 3.30? 2 something? 2.30? Oh, I'm, I'm old. Yeah, 2 or 2.30. Um, like, 2.30. So yeah. she can't see him from, like, 2.30 to 7 p.m. Yeah. And, like, Charlie's not home immediately after work, so I assume they get to, like, drive home together, probably. Yeah. And, like hang out for maybe 30 minutes or something like driving around doing whatever so like she's really not seeing him for like four to five hours yeah it's hard for her though which is it's hard so little time it's so little time the separation anxiety (laughs) of it all yeah Yeah. she's got like to take a shower she's gonna take a shit yeah like she's probably been holding in all of her human stuff all day yeah (laughs) not sweating yeah can't sweat pulling in all this kind of vampire boyfriend partner fiance i think it's interesting that she describes this grounding of not only being able to see edward at this time as an escalation from the previous slightly less stringent grounding that she had earned for the unexplained three-day disappearance but like the strictness is because of the motorcycle and i'm like Mm -hmm. i really feel like the disappearing for three days thing is a much bigger offense than having a motorcycle and also like it doesn't make sense for charlie i don't know i feel like maybe charlie is bothered by the lying of the motorcycle yeah whereas like bella made a horrible decision in leaving for three days but didn't to his knowledge didn't lie to him yeah she left a note and like there was an explanation there it was just a bad choice Whereas, yeah. like, she lied for months about the motorcycle. That's true. So maybe I could see how I would be bothered by that more, even though it posed less of a security risk. That's true. I think Bella, yeah, I think Bella kind of saw it more as like a safety thing. But yeah, that makes more sense to me. It seems like Charlie's using any excuse he can to like create separation between Bella and Edward, which I'm here for. A hundred percent. But it's funny because in this section, he's about to be like, telling Bella that he wants her to spend time with Jacob, which is complicated, but it's like, Jacob is the one that she was doing the motorcycle thing with. Right. You know? Like, I know that she's is older, and if anything, she enabled him to do that, but also, like, he was also lying. Yeah, like, to his he was father. lying, and also, yeah. Jacob was presumably also the one that inspired her to literally jump off a cliff. Yeah, he's not exactly a good influence on her. Yeah, but I think, like, J- Charlie just looks the other way because it's a family friend, and Yeah, it's like, okay. Charlie's yeah. definitely Team Jacob right now. Charlie is Team Jacob, which is funny. It's not funny. 
but it's gonna be very annoying so that's what charlie wanted to talk about they start yeah. to eat this dinner which is sounds just so f- like horrific like first of all they microwave their tomato sauce yeah literally put it in a saucepan yeah same amount of dishes so he starts talking and he wants to talk to her about her being on parole yeah he's <laughs> the carceral approach to her punishment <laughs> yeah he said i don't know how to <laughs> do this out. it must be parole yeah he wants her to be free to spend time with other people that's the condition of her release mm-hmm. is that she will spend time with people that are not edward namely yeah. jacob but also human friends are acceptable yeah it's so, so i guess like she probably hasn't even been grounded for that long. Like, if we're kind of picking up where we've left off, like, it's probably April or May right now. So maybe she's been grounded for a maximum six weeks. Yeah. Which was, like, a little surprising to me. It made me think about him knowing how isolated she was for most of the year and, like, how much her relationships have already suffered with, like, the mm-hmm. people in her life. Like, I would think that he wouldn't want to do anything to prevent her from engaging with those relationships at all all and it sounds like you know she can't leave the house and edward can only come over for a certain amount of time but other people could come over mm-hmm. like for the time where edward's not there mm-hmm. and she does she hasn't been doing that yeah i think he's doing the right thing by prompting her to spend time with other people yeah and like she just kind of like pushes it aside and is like he doesn't get it yeah he doesn't get that we've made this like big commitment to each other yeah i wish she'd entertained it a little bit more and thought like you know, maybe I should be using this time to spend time with the people that I won't get to. Yeah, I think she grapples with that a little bit because she's like, well, I could I could spend time with these people, but then, like, it might hurt more when yeah. I have to inevitably separate from them again. With Jacob, it's, like, of course, really complicated, but... It's just, like, exactly the advice that you would give a, a, someone who's, like, trying to support their child through a relationship with someone who's controlling. Totally. Um, is, like, to give them space to spend time away from that person. Yeah. Which he's given her over the past few months, even though he's framed it as a punishment. He's mm-hmm. given her some Healthy hours boundaries. away from yeah. Edward so that she can do what she wants and think things without having to, like, process them with him immediately. Yeah. And also promoting relationships with other people. Yeah. And making sure that there's not any isolation going on. So it's like, yeah, for all the things that Charlie doesn't do great as a parent, cooking, keeping her in the country. Yeah. He's doing this very well. He says, I don't think you should dump all of your other friends for your boyfriend, Bella. It's not nice. I think your life would be better balanced if you kept some other people in it. What happened last September, if you had more of a life outside of Edward Cullen, it might not have been like that. And she, she resists that and says it would have been exactly like that. But I'm like... It wouldn't have. It would not have been like because that. Because if she had been spending time with Jacob for the entire duration of her relationship with Edward before he left, yeah. it would have seamlessly, like, Jacob would have been there for her immediately. Like, she got to Forks pretty immediately, got wrapped up in Edward, yeah. and, like, did nothing else. Like, had some meager little relationships with friends, human friends, but, like, for the most part, she all of her time in Forks has been, like, centered around Edward, so, like, it's so not surprising that it all happened the way it did. And to some extent, yes, she was pushing people away while she was doing her worst, mm-hmm. but also, if she had forged stronger relationships with those people and they cared about her enough, mm-hmm. they would have pushed yeah it's also it's definitely a two-way street right Mm -hmm. like sure bella didn't reach out but it's also like what is even there yeah like how supportive are these people really and like are they even the best friends for bella like is jessica stanley really like someone bella needs also kind of like the bystander effect kind of like of like they probably all saw how deeply bella was struggling and Mm -hmm. they all probably felt like well i'm not probably bella's best friend so maybe i don't need to be the one that like pushes Mm -hmm. in 
like, in this way to, like, make sure that she's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that, like, Jessica was like, well, that's a job for someone who's closer to Bella. Mm-hmm. Bella and I aren't even that close. And I'm sure Angela probably felt the same way. All the boys, I'm sure, even if they had the thought. Yeah. Like, whatever. I feel like there are people who fall through the cracks in that way mm-hmm. that don't have, like, one defined, very close friend that, like, all the peripheral, like, friends or, like, the friends that are, like, close to them but, like, have stronger friendships with other people Mm -hmm. like they're like well somebody else will reach out and check on them yeah and it's like not always yeah and bella made it pretty impossible i think for a while and they probably gave up because she was just like literally like a zombie and didn't even like reply when people talk to her i think yeah so there's like only so much that they could have done as well so it's definitely like a strained situation Bella does say that she spends time with Alice, that Mm -hmm. that Alice has no special hours of visitation and comes and goes a lot, and that Charlie is putty in her capable hands. Mm -hmm. But, like, other than that, she's not really spending time with anyone outside of the Collins family. Right. Which makes me think that she's probably not seeing Carlisle and Esme. Yeah. Because, like, it's not like they're going to come over, which is sad. That is sad. And she's definitely not seeing Rosalie, Emmett, and Jasper, who, like, aren't at school anymore. Mm -hmm. She describes her relationships as they stand with all the humans. Yeah. And she says, before Edward's return, my school friends had polarized into two groups. I like to think of those groups as good versus evil. (laughs) Us and them worked too. (laughs) She's so bitter about it. The good guys were Angela, her steady boyfriend, Ben, and Mike Newton. These three had all very generously forgiven me for going crazy when Edward left. Lauren Mallory was the evil core of the them side, and almost everyone else, including my first friend in Forks, Jessica, seemed content to go along with her anti-Bella agenda. I'm like, who else is in that group? Also, like, what does it mean to have an anti-Bella agenda? Like, yeah. I know Lauren Mallory is, like, rude. And she's never cared for Bella. And she's, like, said some things yeah. and stuff. But, like, is she actively talking shit in a way that Bella knows that yeah. she's talking shit? Is, is like, Edward divulging her thoughts? Which doesn't yeah. seem fair. No. To have an agenda. Like, you can have negative thoughts about someone and not have an agenda. Yeah, <laughs> like- that's true. And it's interesting that she's, like, even calls the like the evil or them side her school friends like yeah other than jessica like i don't know who else she's putting that category other than like is eric in that group i don't don't, were those people even her friends to start with and Mm -hmm. like what's the point of like having such a polarizing opinion of them if they're not even like they're not even on the same tier as like the people that you actually consider your friends yeah but she says that angela's been unswervingly loyal and angela's sat dutifully next to alice every day at lunch so so sweet sweet. and bella describes how important that is because it's like to others vampires are supposed to be somewhat like off-putting yeah like they're supposed to be scary Mm -hmm. things that you don't want to get close to totally but angela seems to be comfortable and kind of like relax around them even yeah which just further proves the theory that angela's a witch Mm -hmm. so they're having this conversation and charlie really wants her to try to spend time with jacob and she's like really struggling to find a way to talk about like why she hasn't and like what the conflict is and she does mention like well jacob has a hard time accepting like not being more than friends but i feel like the obvious answer is right there which is that he doesn't want to see he her. doesn't want to see her and like she can't force herself upon him yeah and i wonder why she doesn't more clearly say that from the beginning like she yeah. does eventually say like jacob doesn't really want to see me yeah if she was like yeah dad i'd love to have a relationship with jacob but he doesn't want to be friends with me yeah like that might help him understand more, which, like, it sucks that he doesn't take very seriously how awkward it could be for Bella to, like, not want to be more than friends with Jacob and yeah. Jacob to, like, want that. Because it's, like, you obviously can have relationships with people that, like, want to be, like, romantic or sexual with you that, like, 
you can still have relationships with good boundaries with people yeah. that like have feelings like that towards you, but like you don't reciprocate. But unless the other person disrespects your boundaries, absolutely, Constantly. right. And so it's like, you know, Charlie should be able to understand that that would just be uncomfortable. Yeah, and like it's not like Bella's saying I'm never gonna speak to Jacob again. Yeah, Bella's saying like right now, it's touchy. It's touchy. Yeah. And he's still, like, really pushing for it. He is. He says, the Blacks are practically family, Bella, and Jacob has been a very, very good friend to you. And I'm like, he was an okay friend sometimes, like, a year ago. It was, it was... Or not a year ago, earlier this year. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people say the same thing, like, that Jacob was a really good friend to Bella when she really needed one. And I'm like, yes, it was positive for Bella to be around Jacob. And I really think many people could have filled that role just that Bella felt most comfortable around Jacob at that time which is not really a virtue of like Jacob's behavior towards her absolutely not and it's it's, he didn't do shit honestly yeah it's really like a reflection (laughs) of like Jacob's willingness to not ask questions yeah that unfortunately morphed into Jacob crossing yeah it's also like one of the reasons that jacob was so eager to spend time around bella is because he had a huge fucking crush on her yeah like that's that was his side it's not like he was like nobly like oh like my friend bella is having a really hard time and i want to like intentionally take care of her like yeah it wasn't anything like that it was like a pretty girl hang out with me in garage Mm -hmm. situation yeah (laughs) little teenage boy crush hours you know it's not like as noble as we're thinking it yeah is. but bella she really does understand it as like i owe jacob my life or whatever because he like saved me from this dark place and it's like he didn't save you from that dark place he just like it just helps to have a friend yeah you know, he didn't pull her out of it. no he didn't and also just like like the sense of routine and normalcy that she felt by going and having a place to go yeah and be around people mm-hmm. was what pulled her out of that mm-hmm. and also it didn't pull her out of it Mm-hmm. She jumped off a fucking cliff. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Like, <laughs> rose-colored glasses, I think. Yeah. What if Alice didn't come back? Like, where would she be three months down the line, even with, like, an uncertain relationship with Jacob still there? She'd be forcing herself to date him, even though she wasn't interested in him. Exactly. That's what she'd be doing. Which is, like, not Would Charlie like great. that? No. <laughs> Probably, actually. Yeah. Well, what Charlie says is, isn't Edward up for a little healthy competition? And Bella's offended by that. Yeah, she's like, like, there is no competition. Yeah. Charlie even goes so far as to say that accusing her of hurting Jake's feelings by avoiding him. He'd rather just be friends than nothing. So not true. Yeah. So not true. He would not definitely true. rather be nothing. <laughs> and then she says, I'm pretty sure Jake doesn't want to be friends at all. The, the heart of this comes out, which is that Billy has told Charlie that Jacob is depressed. I'm sure that it was really sustaining for Jacob to have a friend who isn't someone that can literally read his mind. Yeah. And, like, it's positive for people to have friends outside of, like, their immediate, like, circle of family, friends, and community. Like, it's positive for people to have, like, places to talk to about things that bother them about. Yeah. And Bella is, like, maybe his one friend. Right. Who is that person. Which and is, who like... knows who he is. Yeah, it's huge that he has lost that. But mm-hmm. he lost that because he and Edward are both thinking about this in an either or. Mm -hmm. And for, like, Edward, it's like, you can either be safe and make me happy or take this, all this risk on. Mm -hmm. And for Jacob, it's you can be friends with me or friends with him. Yeah. Which is, like, at least Edward's is in some way a safety concern. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's inappropriate. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wait, there's going to be so much more of that. But anyway, they kind of put the conversation 
away. And she's like, well, I'll try to be friends with Jacob. Then she gets an acceptance letter from the University of Alaska. <laughs> yep. And they have this conversation about how Belle's going to pay for college. And, like, Charlie's like, oh, I want to help you pay. And she's like, no, don't do that. Like, she's, like, really going through all the loops of applying to college with absolutely no intention of actually going. Which is really interesting because... Edward seems Edward to is very expect eager. that yeah. she will enroll. And she's also kind of, like... She's thinking about, like, her college savings, and she's like, whatever, I'll figure it out. You know that if you're going to go to college, the Collins are paying for it. Yeah, like, first of you don't all, have to deny the Collins that are paying us, for it. Know? But I do think she would put up a fight to them paying for it. I think she'd feel deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. The well, first few times that they do big budget things for her, I feel like she's going to freak out until it, she settles. If it happened before she was a vampire or before they were married, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think after she probably is, just feels resigned to it. Sure. But it's like, she's talking about it and is like, oh, I could even afford part of the tuition to this place. Like the first semester or two, I could probably actually pay for out of my yeah. college savings. And I'm like, yeah. And then what? Yeah. Then you have no money. Like, yeah. She's really half-assing this college She thing. is really detached from, she from doesn't, any she's... sort of future planning yeah. that is centered around her remaining human. Yeah. Hot take. Like, I feel like, whereas Edward, I think, wants her to like in college as a human like have a human experience of going to college i don't think that college is a universally human experience at all no no it's, it's not really not and like she'd probably get more out of her education like doing Waiting. that as a vampire yeah you know yeah and it's also it's also funny because I, I think that the purpose of this in edward's eyes is to get her to delay yeah but the purpose of this in my eyes is that if you're a high school senior and you're not talking about planning for your next steps and you're the third smartest girl in your class mm -hmm. and everyone's going to be asking you these questions you better have answers yeah her cover story needs to be better yeah i'm sure it's disturbing to her family even if she's choosing not to go to college yeah like she should have some sort of like response plan yeah and so should edward and he mm -hmm. doesn't charlie asked bella what edward's plans are for next year and then edward knocks on the door he arrives into the scene charlie mumbles go away which <laughs> is such a mood and then she describes the way edward looks for three paragraphs it's so extra <laughs> it's so funny she's she is simping so hard mm -hmm. still it's hilarious like okay here's our here's our love interest here's this male model with his like and lashes and his rain darkened bronze hair she even says his touch brought with it the strangest sense of relief as if i'd been in pain and that pain had suddenly ceased yeah which is like separation anxiety. separation anxiety yeah, yeah like the four or five hours in the afternoon yeah that they're not together is causing her, like, literal distress. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's the positive stress of, like, wanting, like, the anticipation of getting to see your high school boyfriend the next day at school. Yeah. Or, like, your crush the next day at school. Yeah. It's like she's feeling distress mm -hmm. that she doesn't get to spend 24 hours a day mm -hmm. with Edward, which is disturbing. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's coming from, like, him literally abandoning her. Yes. But it's also, I think, I think it kind of existed a little bit before that, too, because of their, the nature of their dynamic is that, like, he is stuck in time and, and she's aging and she's constantly, constantly 
anxious about not being able to be with him anymore for a number of reasons. Yeah. Which is a bummer because like, even though it's like understandable that she would feel that way based on circumstances, it's like, you still don't have to feel that way. If she felt more secure, like in herself and in her choices and in her options. And if, if her relationship was just more secure, then she wouldn't have to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Edward has brought over another set of paper applications to colleges (laughs) that presumably he has bribed to be able to let her to apply to them past the deadline. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is annoying. Jay Jenks is working overtime this month. Yeah. He's like, who the fuck is Bella Swan? Yeah. He's probably Googled her and been like, for this bitch? Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing paper applications to colleges, which, you know, my condolences to anyone who had to apply to college before the digital Mm -hmm. revolution in applications because Common App was, for all its problems, Mm -hmm. the fact that I didn't have to do mail, Mm -hmm. my my least favorite little chore to apply to college, very positive for me. That's a sign of the early, the mid-aughts right there is yeah. paper applications. Bella reads in Edward that Charlie is still like listening to them talk. Mm-hmm. So they they just keep talking about college applications. So Edward and Bella are my favorite comedic duo of all time. Yeah. And I love when Edward is like this, which he's just very like in a, he's like kind he's of in a in, silly goofy mood. He's in a silly goofy mood. He's like being very serene and like Carlisle's golden child, mm-hmm. I think in this section, which is really a really funny performance that he does. He said he's, he's still weighing his options. He has a few acceptances and he says he's been to Syracuse, Harvard, Dartmouth, and I just got accepted to the University of Alaska Southeast today. <laughs> and winks at Bella. Charlie's like, oh wow, that's like really impressive. Like, I, yeah, why would you consider going to the University of Alaska when you can go Ivy League? I mean, your father wouldn't, wouldn't your father want you to? And he's like, <laughs> Carlisle's always fine with whatever I choose to do. <laughs> and then Bella's like, oh, guess what, Edward? What, Bella? I just got my acceptance to the University of Alaska. Congratulations. What a coincidence. <sighs> God. <laughs> and then Charlie's so like, funny. okay, bye. <laughs> they're so funny. They're so funny. I love this little bit that they're doing. I really appreciate the stress. Charlie's probably waiting up at night gossiping with everyone he knows about being stressed about where Bella's going to go to college and yeah. if Edward's going to be there too because mm-hmm. it is so stressful to know someone who's 18 and in a relationship that you're like, I don't know. That one, yeah, choose to go to the same school. Yeah, as their that's really. This stressful. has happened twice in my immediate to extended family. That like there has been a conversation had amongst our like older family members of like, oh my god, do you know where they're going to college yet? Like. Mm-hmm wondering if they're gonna go together to college which is just wild (laughs) just wild i'm thinking about one of these people who did go to college at the same place Mm -hmm. um and then they broke up before they left for college like they were Mm. planning to go not together like they both independently chose that it was like the right place to go or whatever but then like they broke up before they got there and now they're in the same little program together and with the and with this person's new partner too you should never go to the same college as the person that you were dating at any point in high school i didn't do it it, and i think it was a really positive thing yeah i know it's great that you guys did that jj and i were dating for three years when we went to college Mm -hmm. it was not a factor at all Mm-hmm. into where we chose to go to school. Mm-hmm. We just really did make our decisions completely independently. We applied to schools ranging like all the way from Florida to Maine, which the consideration was not made that we would go to school together. Totally. And I understand the pull to want that. Yeah. But it was such a positive experience yeah. to have like 
room to make friends outside yeah to like become your own person as an adult yeah which has been so great because we've both gotten to like meet each other's friends and now i have a bunch of friends that are in philadelphia new york yeah and now you guys are living here (laughs) and now we live here and jj has all of like my friends from school that Mm -hmm. absolutely adore him totally i ended up going to the same college as somebody that i was dating at the end of high school who was like already at the school And I had no intention of going to the same school as this person. Mm -hmm. Actually fully thought that we would break up because I was going to go to a different school. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up needing to just... Where were you going to go? I was just... I didn't want to go to UMaine. Oh, yeah. Anywhere else. I just didn't... Yeah. I just didn't want to go to the state school because I was like in the top 10 in my class and I was... You know, they tell people like me that you can go anywhere you want. It's not true. Me too. And I chose UMaine, which is so funny. Yeah. It's so funny that we did that. (laughs) Well, you know, I grew up here. I know. Um, And I know I knew a lot of people that were going to UMaine. It is insane to me that people choose to go to USF, which is our local school. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to be around people that I knew and then I ended up going anyway and, you know, stayed. But um, I fully thought that I would break up with this person because I was going to go to school and was going to be far away from them and, like, had no future intentions and then ended up going to the same school and just decided not to break up. And then we dated for way longer than we should have. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, God. Yeah, so just generally don't do it. (laughs) Obviously, there are circumstances where I'm sure it's fine, but, like, also just, like, cannot emphasize enough the importance of having the opportunity to even have four years of your life having a separate life. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if you intend to remain with that person. Yeah. As I did. Like, that would never happen again. You know, like, there's no opportunity for to do that again so i think it's like a really it's a really formative time too in somebody's life the first couple of years of adulthood that's another thing is choosing to go to a different college but then still deciding to date the same person from high school which generally i wouldn't say you should do either but you're fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's an exception to everything there's there's an exception to everything and And lori's it (laughs) sometimes i was hearing somebody talk oh god talking like to a group of people about how like they were talking about like how relationships from high school never work out and you should always like mm-hmm. have that reminder or whatever and i was like <laughs> i'm guessing different, I'm different. <laughs> um anyway anyway fun aside yeah edward learns that bella is not her, her punishments have been lessened to a kind of unclear degree but edward's like oh i'm sure that like alice would love to go shopping with bella or something what and, the fuck? and charlie freaks out because he has been reading it over the course of the scene he's been reading the newspaper mm-hmm. and there have been some murders in seattle people guess that it might be a serial a new serial killer in seattle so he becomes irate at the idea that bella would be brought to seattle and Ugh. edward's like oh of course not portland that's so far away isn't that like eight hours it's funny the way he phrases it because he, he says, does yeah he's i wouldn't have bella in seattle either of I, course not i wouldn't have you do anything for bella and it's like i was just thinking about like what it would be like to have this conversation as like maybe a 38 year old man having this conversation with two 17 year olds two 18 year olds mm-hmm. and having one of the 18 year olds be like oh i would never let her go there yeah, I'd be like, you I mean, can, like, you could get killed down, too, son. Buster. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, obviously, Edward's not afraid for himself, but, like, keep up the appearance of, like, I feel like if I were having that conversation as Edward, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm nervous about that. I wouldn't want to go right now yeah. to Seattle. Yeah. Instead of being like, I would never let your sweet angel daughter, who yeah. I also protect and love. <laughs> like. <laughs> also, one of the applications that Edward has brought to Bella is for Dartmouth. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going. <laughs> Which is funny because. She says you'd need to bribe them to let me in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also true. Yeah, I don't think that she's... I don't think she can get into Dartmouth. She doesn't have the grades or the extracurriculars or... She doesn't have anything other than, like, okay grades. She doesn't have the willpower either. She'd have to go through, like, an interview process to go to an IV. Yeah. Like, that's so extensive. She's done no preparation. She wouldn't... 
she wouldn't get in. It's, no. It's funny that he would make her apply. Yeah. Like, well, he probably thinks he can bribe her way in, which she wouldn't be okay with. But The Collins get arrested in a big sting of... Oh my god. College-related. <laughs> fraud. Yeah. He says, I'll let you pay me back if that makes you happy. If you want, I can charge you interest. <laughs> <laughs> what a snarky little bitch. But he's so pushy about it. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he takes the application away faster than she can crumble it up. And he's like, I sign your name better than you do yourself. You've already written the essays. He's like literally going to apply mm-hmm. on her behalf. Mm-hmm. That's so pushy. And it's like, for what? Like, they're not even going to go. Mm-hmm. Which she says, I need to go through the motions, but we both know I'm not going to be in any condition to, to go to school in the fall. Mm-hmm. They're still like, you know, pushing and pulling about this. Will they, won't they mm-hmm. turn her into a vampire? When will they? can I push it off thing, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm sure, just, like, beyond infuriating for her. Mm -hmm. She's got, like, the threat of Victoria and the Volturi on her, and she's like, I don't want to fucking apply to Dartmouth right now. (laughs) And then Edward insists that it's not dangerous for her right now to not be a vampire because they haven't seen victoria or the volturi have any intentions of coming and says you know even with alice keeping watch edward was relying on her uncannily accurate visions of the future to give us advance warning it was insane to take chances and she's right as if alice's visions didn't just fucking fail them like literally less than a month ago yeah got them into this huge situation Dude, we should stop doing People that almost died like i think that should have maybe been a lesson yeah that, like, maybe Alice's visions, like, they're a good tool in your toolbox, but you should still act with an abundance of caution. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In these life or death situations. Totally. And then Edward reveals to Bella that the Collins believe that the, the killings in Seattle are actually the work of a newborn vampire. Newborn vampire is, like, the new piece of lore that is being introduced Mm -hmm. in this book, which is, like, significant to Bella because she's, like, grappling with becoming a vampire and, like, that's a very specific state of being. Newborn vampires are notoriously, like, kind of out of control and, like, need to be need to be like taken care of by more experienced vampires or or else they might just go on killing sprees they don't understand like what's happening to them they don't understand like their new powers and stuff and if they're too conspicuous it's really dangerous edward says it's not our problem we wouldn't even pay attention to the situation if it wasn't going on so close to home like i said this happens all the time the existence of monsters results in monstrous consequences it's interesting the way they think about like whether or not this has anything to do with them Mm -hmm. or not Mm -hmm. they'll start to change their mind as they of course realize that it's going to be linked to victoria but, like, it's interesting, the, their hands-off approach most yeah. of the time to most things. <laughs> right. They're trying to live unproblematic lives. Yeah. But, like, they don't take it upon themselves to fix problems that other vampires start. Yeah. They just are trying to, like, kind of retreat. Bella, like, really grapples with this. Like, Stephanie's making her grapple with this more mm-hmm. than she has before. Five people have died, and she, like, she reads the names of the people that have died and, like, grapples with the fact that, like like those are people like they have their families are now mourning but at the same time she's like it's not going to be the same way for me because i'm going to be like you know taken care of and the the Collins are going to make sure that I am not this way. They have a weird little <laughs> tiff. They're talking about like what kind of like animals she'd be able to eat in like Alaska or Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And Edward mentions <laughs> wolves and she like bristles at it and then he's like oh never mind the wolves then if the idea is offensive to you and he's like do you think he's out there eating wolves for fun like regular ass wolves he's yeah, like, as like a personal I'll show form. you yeah <laughs> they probably shouldn't eat predaceous animals unless they're like overpopulated like that's yeah. disruptive to the ecosystem in the way that like eating things like deer are not like animals that are more highly populated because like that's how it works in the food chain is that they need to have numbers in order to like survive as a species whereas like things as wolves are there's less of them they're endangered and they're predaceous animals and so there's it's just like 
If you get rid of them, then it fucks up the food chain. But then if you eat too many... Not that they're eating a lot of animals If you eat too many deer, then there's not enough food for the wolf. I don't... Yeah. Well, I don't think that they eat a lot of deer. I think that they only eat, like, one animal, like, every whatever. But eating one wolf is, like, or one, you know, whatever it is, is probably more significant than eating one deer in terms of its impact on the environment. Yeah. I guess that's true. I'm not sure. Then they start talking about Jacob. Yes. (laughs) Bella says, like, she's been thinking about Jacob before he came over, and Charlie says Jacob's having a hard time. He's hurting right now, and it's my fault. And I'm like, it's It's literally literally not your fault. It's literally not your fault. Don't let anyone guilt you into thinking that this is your fault and she's guilting herself which is so funny because it's like she really does take on responsibility for like the feelings that jacob is feeling right now and it's like that's poor boundaries unnecessary like yeah you don't have to feel like that it's not like her actions have like put jake in this position like it's circumstances beyond anyone's control and he's the one who's like being really stringent about his boundaries with her and edward Mm -hmm. like those are his choices yeah sometimes it just sucks you know Mm -hmm. yeah and that's okay so yeah it doesn't have to be somebody's fault yeah so true it's like not bella's fault that jacob felt an attachment to her and like felt entitled to her time Mm -hmm. and edward's putting it on her too he says you know it's out of the question for you to be around a werewolf unprotected bella and it would break the treaty if any of us cross over onto their land do you want us to start a war like the treaty is not bella's fault like the fact that there's a fucking treaty is like none of nothing to do with bella and And everything to do with the vampires yeah so like if there's a problem with the treaty that would like cause something to happen like that is their issue and like it's not about like bella is a freestanding citizen who can like go wherever she pleases outside of this treaty and is even as a human protected by it to a certain extent and then he tries to drop the conversation yeah because he asks her, do you want us to start a war? And she says, of course not. And then he says, there's really no point in discussing this matter further, mm-hmm. which is so dismissive because it's like, you don't, you don't get to decide when this conversation is over. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't even have a say over whether or not she's going to go see Jacob. No. And then they change the subject. So Bella's been reading Wuthering Heights. Um, she's read it before. And they start having a conversation about it. So every time Stephanie writes one of these books, there's another piece of classical literature that she keeps calling back to. So mm-hmm. it's been Romeo and Juliet. Vaguely Pride and Prejudice in Twilight, I guess. Money Python and the Holy Grail. Money Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> 10,000 10, million leagues under the sea. Ten, 10 bazillion leagues under the sea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights is this books allusion i definitely have some thoughts i've (laughs) i've read wuthering heights i've not and i texted sam this morning while i was reading i was like should we watch wuthering heights it feels like it's going to be really relevant and i don't want to read it and sam was like oh i'm literally rereading it right now and i was like (laughs) wonderful (laughs) thanks um and i i do remember the role it, it it playing a significant role like in this in this book but i read it when i was a teenager and I remember not liking it. And actually, Edward says... He doesn't like it. Edward says he doesn't like it. He says, uh, honestly, like, the opinion that I had as a teenager. Yeah. I don't understand why you like it. The characters are ghastly people who ruin each other's lives. I don't know how, how Heathcliff and Kathy ended up being ranked with couples like Romeo and Juliet or Elizabeth Benny and M- Bennett and Mr. Darcy. This it isn't a love story. It's a hate story. And she's like, you have some serious issues with the classics, which he really does. He does. But I also think it's interesting that he has changed his tune on on Romeo mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. since the new moon. He's mm-hmm. like, Romeo's okay. He's like, I guess I'm Romeo. I, I wonder what his opinion of Mr. Darcy is because mm-hmm. he didn't like Romeo, which is who he was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. he doesn't like Heathcliff, which is, I think, who he's supposed to be in Wuthering Heights. So it's interesting you say that because I did a little bit of Googling. Okay. And Stephanie Meyer said that her opinion on Wuthering Heights is Edward's opinion on Wuthering Heights. Mm. And she chose this 
illusion Mm -hmm. because she thinks that depending on the viewpoint that people have when they start reading the book they could either look at it in the way that edward is heathcliff and jacob is eddie edgar edgar yeah (laughs) eddie not eddie i had to know that wasn't it or they could flip it yeah no that's really interesting and so she said that that was something that was really interesting to her that like people could think like oh obviously edward's heathcliff Mm -hmm. or people could think obviously jacob's heathcliff yeah that's really interesting that you read that because i that's kind of what i was thinking when i was reading the i read the introduction to my copy of wuthering heights which is written by alice hoffman who wrote practical magic Mm -hmm. i I always find introductions to classical literature really helpful and in framing the context of the book and there are some quotes in it that I, i would like to read but yeah no i felt kind of the same thing because I at first I was like I didn't remember Edgar mm. um, that was a character and I was like oh there's another guy like that makes so much more mm. sense maybe we should watch Wuthering Heights tonight well I don't <laughs> it's bad oh it's it's such an unpleasant story Ugh. like the characters really are insufferable like it's it was I remember it being hard to read yeah I remember reading it and feeling like oh my god these people are insufferable why are they like this in the kind of the way that I like think about Edward when I read about Edward now sure <laughs> I think there's maybe many parallels that you could make, but I found that these these particular passages from the introduction helpful and contextualizing like what kind of connections we can make between this book and Eclipse. This says, Wuthering Heights is one of the greatest novels of all time and arguably the greatest psychological novel ever written. Mm-hmm. It is a novel that defies definition. In a gothic landscape of moors where ghosts roam and love never dies, there is also a realistic presentation of the social landscape of the turn of the 19th century when the novel is set and Victorian era where it was written. The Ultimate Rebels Treaties, written by a woman who rarely ventured further than her own village and whose life was tragically short, Wuthering Heights is a domestic drama, a ghost story, a romance, a spiritual journey, and a diary of dreams and visions, and above all else, an examination of the nature of humanity. Hmm. At the novel's core is the deep and complicated attachment between Heathcliff and Kathy, a remarkable study of guilt, loss, power, and erotic love. Love is a natural force in Wuthering Heights, wild as the more is unpredictable as the weather paradoxical not only to the characters of the novel but to the reader as well love defies all logic and common sense it is a mystery that is both unanswerable and endlessly fascinating i find that the atmosphere's role in the story like also for me clicks with eclipse i feel like the the setting is like really important to the plot what drives heathcliff and what formed him are mysteries forevermore he is perhaps the most enigmatic and paradoxical creation in all of fiction continually fascinating not only to kathy but to the reader Heathcliff's strange appearance begins the internal action of the novel. His sudden and unexplained disappearance is the centerpiece, during which time the abandoned Kathy marries her wealthy neighbor, the more appropriate Edgar Linton. Oh, damn. And Heathcliff's insistence on reappearing it yet again after his absence of three years brings ruin upon the lives of nearly everyone with whom he comes into contact, including, <laughs> and most especially, himself. <laughs> so, act- like, I do feel like... Yeah, that he- makes sense. Like, Heathcliff is supposed to be Edward, even though you definitely could read it the other way around. Mm-hmm being that Kathy does end up with Edgar and he and Edgar is wealthy like it made me think that like Heathcliff's shtick is that he doesn't have money he needs to he goes away and like tries to get money so that he can come back and and marry Kathy presumably and then in that time she's married someone else but I I guess like if you think like money being the stand-in for vampirism then it's easy to read Mm -hmm. as Edward I guess like 
like in this time, like the thing that is separating them from love is money. The real fantasy of mm-hmm. Twilight and other novels is that like money, money doesn't play a role. Yeah. <laughs> the sort of like star-crossed lovers, like there's this, there's like the, some sort of force keeping them apart that in Twilight is supernatural and is financial in this book. But mm. at first I was like, oh, maybe Edward Edgar is Edward because he's rich. Um, but True. I don't think that's the case. But but also you can read it the other way, which is that like Bella and Jacob have this tumultuous relationship and cannot stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. Very much reminiscent of that Taylor Swift video that you illustrated for us <laughs> several weeks ago. Um, as the novel is divided into two sections, Heathcliff's inner being is divided in two as well. He is a torn soul, a man ruled by emotion, much as the Moors are ruled by storm and atmosphere. He is the powerless hero in the first half of the novel, the exploitative and wealthy antihero in the second half. Mm-hmm. Of the first Heathcliff, I can't say his name, of the first Heathcliff, the as-yet-uncorrupted boy, Kathy utters the most soul-stirring admission of love and erotic desire in all of literature, which is, my great miseries in this world have been Heathcliff. Cliff's miseries, and I watched and felt, each from the beginning, my great thought in living is himself. If all else perished and he remained, I should still continue to be. And all else remained and he were annihilated, the universe would turn into a mighty stranger. I should not seem a part of it. Mm. I am Heathcliff. There's also another quote that Alice Hoffman is talking about, which is that Kathy speaking about how if she were in heaven, I would be extremely miserable. I once dreamt I was there. Heaven did not seem to be my home, and I broke my heart with weeping to come back to earth, and the angels were so angry that they flung me out onto the middle of the heath on top of Wuthering Heights, where I woke sobbing for joy. That will do to explain my secret. I have no more business to marry Edgar Linton than I have to be in heaven. Some of these lines, I remember them talking about. I don't know if they talked about them in in New Moon, or if they talk about them in Eclipse, but I know that one of them has quoted this line before, which is, I cannot live without my life. I cannot live without my soul. Yeah. But anyway, I think there's a lot of similarities. Mm. Just, I felt those things really stood out to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit more of this book and kind of suss it out a bit. But yeah. Bella does talk about her thoughts mm-hmm. as well. He asks, like, what appeals to her in the story. Mm. And she says, I'm not sure. I think it's something about the inevitability, how nothing can keep them apart, not her selfishness or his evil or even death in the end. He says, I still think it would be a better story if either of them had one redeeming quality. And she says, I think that's the point. Their love is their only redeeming quality. Mm-hmm. And he says, I hope you have better sense than that to fall in love with someone so malignant. And she's like, I think I've managed fairly well. And he's like, I'm just glad that you think so. Mm. She says that I hope you're smart enough to stay away from someone so selfish. Catherine is really the source of all the trouble, not Heathcliff, which I don't think is true. (laughs) I think that's uh, Stephanie Meyer's little tape. I'm uh, curious to see how else this unfolds. I think that this is actually kind of... Whereas, like, I'm annoyed by the invocation of Romeo and Juliet in New Moon so mm-hmm. constantly, I feel like this is actually maybe a more interesting literary fit yeah. than other stories that she's tried to compare to that were more kind of, like, just dead-ass love stories, mm-hmm. where this one is, like, infamously a story about two people that are, like, you hate them when you read about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They start talking again about werewolves. She brings it up again and is like, I am going to see Jacob. And he's just saying, like... He's like, no. And no. I'm like, no one asked you. Werewolves are unstable. Sometimes the people near them get hurt. Sometimes they get killed. What do you think you are? Yeah. There's a great reason for her not to be around <laughs> Jacob right now. And it's yeah. 
his lack of respect for her boundaries. Yeah. Not. <sighs> and him, like, literally not wanting to see her. <laughs> mm-hmm. She brings up Emily's once beautiful face, now marred once again. Because mm-hmm. she has to every time Warped she th- thinks forever. about danger of wolves. Disgusting. Yeah. This is so oh interesting. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. So I forgot about crazy. it. Crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait. So, Edward gives the history of when the Collins first met the wolves. He says... We started crossing paths with the wolves about 70 years ago. We had just settled near Hoquiam. That was before Alice and Jasper were with us. We outnumbered them, but that wouldn't have stopped it from turning into a fight if not for Carlisle. He managed to convince Ephraim Black that coexisting was possible, and eventually we made the truce. Bella's surprised by the name of Jacob's great-grandfather in this story. And then Edward kind of muses that, like, he thought the line had died out with Ephraim. And then he even, like, makes this little comment about, like, do you realize that your insatiable pull for all things deadly was strong enough to recover a pack of mutant canines from extinction? And he's like, oh, haha, like, it's your fault because you bring bad luck everywhere. And she's like, uh, <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't you know that my bad luck has nothing to do with it? The werewolves came back because the vampires did. He has no idea. Which is interesting. I didn't really think about the fact that the Collins are unaware of that. Mm-hmm. She says, Jacob told me that your family being here set things in motion. I thought you would already know. And he says, is that what they think? <laughs> And she says, Edward, look at the facts. 70 years ago, you came here and the werewolves showed up. You came back now and the werewolves showed up again. Do you think that it's a coincidence? He's like, oh, well, Carlisle will be interested in that theory. And she's like, she like believes that this is literally, it's not a theory, you know? Yeah. Not a single brain cell among the entire Colin family. Yeah. Something that we talked about, I think at the beginning of maybe New Moon or I don't know, maybe somewhere else, but that this genetic quirk that Edward describes it as is only present in the Quileutes. It's interesting that he's calling it a genetic quirk when he actually has no fucking idea what it he is. He has no idea. And also, <laughs> he wasn't... Settling in Hokuyama is, like, a little bit further away than Forks. Mm-hmm. Still, obviously, like, not safe for the werewolves to have vampires that close. Mm-hmm. However, there's, like, other native people that live yeah. in that area that, like, are somehow, like, not impacted by this quirk. Mm-hmm. It does call into question, like, her world building. Like, what is your view here? Like, they're on other native land there. They're, like, on... Salish land and yeah. like Quinault land and like there's so many other tribes in that area totally. that like it's weird that she hasn't like thought that through. I think it's interesting that he like mentions that it's genetic. I think eventually like one of them does allow like Carlisle to like look at their DNA or whatever and there is like some sort of mutational thing happening but it's like for all we know it's just fucking magic dude. I think it's interesting that he immediately takes like a scientific thing when like they don't even know they don't even understand vampirism. Right. I would like to see that explored more in lots of supernatural things. Like one thing I really like about Discovery of Witches mm-hmm. is that they really throughout the years, like the creatures that exist in that universe have funded extensive research into the cr- the origin of like the three creatures yeah, that exist there. They should. It's like a fascinating part of that series. Mm. I think like is not present in a lot of fantasy books because like there's some sort of, like, suspension of, like, disbelief. Yeah, you just take it for granted. Whatever, but, Mm -hmm. like, it's interesting Mm -hmm. to try to, like, explore what it could be like to have that reconciled with the material reality of the human world. (laughs) Totally. So they continue talking about Jacob, and Bella says, I knew I must be patient with Edward. It wasn't that he was unreasonable. (laughs) It was just that he didn't understand. He had no idea how very much I owed Jacob Black my life many times over, and possibly my sanity too. I didn't like to talk about that barren time with anyone, especially not with Edward. But then she does. 
Yeah. <laughs> she, she does say to him, you don't know what it was like if Jacob hadn't helped me. I'm not sure what you would have come home to. He just like turns it on himself. He's like, I'll never forgive myself for leaving you. Not if I live a hundred thousand years. And it's like, we weren't talking about that. Then she also <laughs> says, you were trying to do the right thing. And I'm sure it would have worked with anyone less mental than me. Don't do Which that. is, yeah. it's posing like her mental state of like the last six months or whatever on something like inherent to her Mm -hmm. that there's something which she always thinks she always thinks there's something internally wrong with her Mm -hmm. and that it's the way that she acts and thinks is not a product of the circumstances that the people around her have put her in yeah she thinks that she is highly responsible and extremely orient like organized etc because that's just who she is Mm -hmm. but what she doesn't consider is that she had to be that way because Renee put her in situations where her needs would not be met if she didn't do all these things yeah it's not a part of her like inherently it's a product of her environment Mm -hmm. the same for her mental state over the past six months it's not inherent to her that she is or that she reacted that way yeah she was put in those situations Mm -hmm. she was abandoned Mm -hmm. and like cut off from everything that she knew and like it has nothing to do with her like somebody else may have reacted differently but it's not about yeah i don't like the way that she like tries to comfort him and she's like i don't want you to feel bad that you fucked me up so fucking bad and it's like he needs to feel bad he can't he shouldn't be making it about himself all the time he keeps bringing up like how bad he feels and it's like Mm -hmm. i understand the the need to want to express that because it's like people don't understand accountability and they think that like talking about how they are emotionally impacted by their own actions is like the same thing as like admitting to like what they've done wrong when Mm -hmm. it's not it's Mm -hmm. like centering their own experience of something harmful and that is what he's doing here (laughs) it's really annoying yeah i'm curious i know that this dynamic is present throughout a lot of the book and it's sort of like a central tenet of the book and i know that it does shift so I'll, i'll be curious to see yeah how edward changes his mind about this put in place of the trauma of abandonment that she experienced yeah any other form of trauma if she was spiral like spiraling in a six-month depression because her house burned down and she got into a car crash Mm. she would not be saying oh it's just me i'm mental (laughs) somebody stronger could have handled this but i'm really being fucked up by this and like no actually like it was the circumstances and in this case it was an interpersonal circumstance that edward is literally responsible for yeah yep and he says, if I'd never left, you wouldn't feel the need to go risk your life to comfort a dog. <laughs> Asshole. And she flinches at that. She says, I was used to Jacob and all his derogatory slurs for the vampires, but somehow it sounded harsher in Edward's velvet voice. Not slurs. Yeah. He says, it's going to sound cruel, I suppose, but I've come too close to losing you in the past. I know what it feels like to think I have. I'm not going to tolerate anything dangerous. And it's like, well... You don't have a choice. Yeah, like, those dangerous situations were, like, the product of his wrongdoing and product of vampires, and Mm -hmm. it's like, and now you left, and she has things that she needs to tend to, and you just kind of have to deal with it. And he's like, please make a conscious effort to keep yourself safe. I'll do everything I can, but I would appreciate a little help. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you need to trust her. Yeah. You need to trust her at least a little bit if you're going to work together and be a team and be in an equal partnership. Like, you need to to trust each other's, Mm -hmm. um, not only assessment of safety which is something that I think she, in some ways, like, he knows more about the werewolves than she does, but in a lot of ways, she knows more about yeah. these particular people than he does. And It's foolish to think that someone who's immortal could have a better handle on what's safe for a human. Yeah. 
literally like, he's been living in immortality for years he has no concept of what it's like to do like everyday risk analysis of like is this safe for me to do yeah it? literally like that's what our brain like what our brains do all the time mm-hmm. for us and you can't Sam, like talk about the brain challenge yeah, i know <laughs> edward doesn't have that it's interesting to me when i when i start thinking about the brain mm-hmm. and like the way that vampires are is like has it's like fundamentally different from the way that humans are because their <laughs> brains are not doing the same thing maybe that's why they have an increased capacity for other things like photographic memories and stuff like that because yeah. there's parts of their brain that can pretty much completely go offline yeah that's interesting. I hate what he says here. Mm. He's like shifting the topic from like, I don't want you to mm-hmm. see Jacob to, do you really have any idea how important you are to me? Any concept of all of how much I love you? What have you done to demonstrate that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it feels almost manipulative. It is. To me in this moment for him to be bringing that up. Cause it's like, he's saying, don't you know how much I love you? If, if you like, if you really understood, then you wouldn't be making this choice that I don't want you to make. It's literally just a rephrasing of that meme. That's like, ah, no, don't kill yourself. You're so sexy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hate that they're still playing this game of like i love you more. i know i wrote that too That's i said it's such a nonsense. pointless fight to be do the i love you more thing i hate that you're right it's has heterosexual nonsense i hate it more than anything yeah when people do that in media especially like Especially um, new media. Yeah. Like, it's that's a pointless tired. conversation to have. Like, it doesn't matter. There's, like, first of all, quantifying love? What is that? Yeah. I don't know. But then it's also just, like, if both people in a relationship feel like their needs for, like, affection are getting met, who gives a fuck? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So true. Yeah. And I think it's just something that we're kind of, like, taught to say. Like, it's something that was so normalized. Because mm-hmm. it is part of, like, heteronormativity. And there are definitely circumstances where people feel like their needs aren't getting met. And, like, that is a conversation. Like, oh, I think we're on a different page of, like, who feels, like, more strongly or more invested or whatever. But, like, that's a conversation to have And that's, that like, a, a real problem to have. Not, yeah, and this is a manufactured Yeah, problem. this is, like, a, <laughs> I love you more. I had an ex who would say that to me and it would piss me off. And it, like, took me, like, a while for, like, I had to, like, explain to him, like, why I didn't like that he was saying that. And he eventually stopped. But I was like you're just saying things like you're just saying things that they mean nothing you're just saying things that you've heard on tv because you think that that's the extent of how love and relationships work right actually a lot of people do that with a lot of things they really do and you and like free yourself so they kind of reach an impasse here edward's like i will stop you from seeing jacob she said we'll see we'll see that's the end of chapter one we're doing a new mini segment we have so a new mini segment we only did one chapter today we're doing it at the end yeah and the mini segment is called true facts about stephanie meyer and we'll present a true fact about Stephanie Meyer, and then we're going to try to find some common ground. Yeah, you know, in this podcast, we, we we rag on our girl Stephanie a lot, you know? And I stand by it 100%, and this is just an opportunity for us to get to know the author a little bit more. And, and then I think we're going to read these facts about her and then share something that is about ourselves that is related to that. Is that what we're doing? Yes. Okay, we'll see how long this goes on the season, because, like, what if we run out of facts? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to separate this one into two, because it gives a lot of information. Okay. So there's yeah. a part of this that I'm omitting, but... Okay. It's an article from The Guardian called, Stephanie Meyer, a squeaky clean vampire queen. <laughs> it's from 2009. It's from right before New Moon came out oh my as God. a movie. Okay. And it says, as part of their comparison of Stephanie Meyer to other people that have written about vampires... Mm-hmm. It says, you wouldn't catch Bram Stoker fretting over his readers like that, like, talking about her, like, relationship with the readers, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, Stephanie Meyer is not your typical queen of the night. She hates horror, has never seen an R-rated film, and confesses 
to not even having read Dracula. Wow. One imagines the sexy, savage True Blood is also out. Wow. So. Can you relate to this? I can relate to this. Yeah. I don't like watching horror. Mm-hmm. I have discovered about myself that I enjoy reading horror. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do it very often. I mean, honestly, I could probably count the number of R-rated movies I've seen on my hands, but that's just because I don't watch very many movies. <laughs> um, and I do hate watching horror movies. Yeah. I also hate watching horror movies. And I'm... I also haven't read Dracula. I have read some of Dracula. I didn't end up finishing it or continuing it, but mm-hmm. it is good and I would like to. So because we found some common ground this week with Stephanie, mm-hmm. stay tuned for next week to see if we can find some more common ground. Mm-hmm. Let's sign off with the good old fashioned Forks cast and the news in Forks. Watching in Forks, it's 45 degrees and raining. It's going to rain all day today and tomorrow. I feel like half the time I do the news, it's like something involving the jail in <laughs> Forks, yeah, yeah. which feels relevant. There is a new... Proposed law that says incarcerated individuals who serve 15, 20, or 25 years of total confinement would have the opportunity to apply for a conditional commutation under a bill passed by the Washington State Senate. This is like Washington-wide, but it's basically like a, like, if you've reformed, you could be released into community custody. Like, so they're just like reducing sentences on certain things. Which just proves that like... They don't need to be in jail. Jail isn't about reformation. If it's like an if you've reformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you're saying that like there are yeah. some people that can't be reformed by jail. Yeah. And that's like proof that jail is pointless. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Totally. People who are involved in criminal justice so infrequently understand the nuances of the carceral system. Yeah. And what it means to be a person, mm-hmm. I would actually say so that's a nice little thing to chew on as we close out today's episode (laughs) thanks for coming by thanks for kicking off the season with us can't wait to see you in the next episode that's all for us listening to gender forking a twilight saga podcast all seasons are now streaming anywhere podcasts can be found to stay updated about the podcast follow us on instagram at at gender forking for more twilight content from us follow us at bowlingsharebellas.tumblr.com with questions comments and any other inquiries please email us at bowlingsharebellas at gmail.com If you like what you hear and want to support the upkeep and production of our podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O. Lucifer.